Well, if we could, if, if any kids, would any kids want to come down front and just have a quick word for them? Do we have any kids? Karis, Joy, y'all want to come down? Jaden will lead the charge. Miles, yeah, come on. Why don't you come down and just sit right here. Let's talk about what we're going to hear about this morning. Yeah, this is, this is a good crew. Hey, excited, excited you are here, excited that we can worship together this morning. Does anybody know, you want to raise your hand, does anybody know what treasure is? Treasure? Okay, so what do you treasure? Like something, oh, like stones, marbles, and why do you treasure those? Or why are those treasured? you're finding like real pretty stones and rocks, what makes them treasure? Maybe are they valuable to you? It's something, yes, yeah, so we think about something that's a treasure or something that we would treasure has value or worth uh, to us. Have you ever heard of pirate's treasure? Miles, do you know pirates and treasure? Have you heard of that? What do pirates usually treasure? What What's What's something that pirates would treasure? Gold, yeah, money, jewels, yeah. And what do they do? What do pirates usually do with their treasure? Keep it to themselves. Or if they put on a treasure map, maybe they've hidden their treasure, right? They hide it and put it in a map, so you have to go find it, try to find the the buried treasure sometimes. Well, we're going to talk about the best treasure that anyone can find, and that is Jesus. We're going to talk about that this morning, what it is to think of Jesus as the most valuable thing, the most extremely uh, worthy thing to have. And then what's great is God doesn't hide his treasure from us. Um, We get to, uh, through the Bible, know who Jesus is and what it is to treasure Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Does that sound good? Treasuring Christ. Okay. Well, let me let me pray again, and we'll we'll uh, talk about treasuring Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for these uh, these young hearts and these young minds here. What a what a blessing children are, and and as we do talk about the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of what it is to be a Christ follower. I just pray that that all of us will treasure Christ more, we'll see him, we'll see the blessing of Jesus as the most valuable thing in our lives. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you want to go back, find your, find your folks? Thank you. So that's what we are going to talk about this morning, talking about what it is really to be a, a, a Christian. And, and then we will talk about how do you, how do you become a Christian. So we're going to look at a, a short passage in the book of Titus this morning. So if you want to find a copy of the scriptures and find Titus a little letter, if you find a bunch of the T letter, uh, letters in the New Testament towards the, the back, Thessalonians, Timothy, and you'll run across Titus, a short little book. We'll be in Titus 2. 
I may have mentioned this before, but spent a good uh, amount of my adult life in the, the great state of Texas. And one of the things that Texas is maybe known for is Tex-Mex food. And one of the great offerings of the Tex-Mex uh, cuisine are fajitas. So if you know fajitas, I'm a big fan of fajitas. Now there's a big difference when you think about fajita meat. Usually the meat would be chicken, steak or something in, in the fajita. And you'll know if you're kind of a fajita connoisseur as, as maybe, maybe I, would, I would say I am, you're gonna know if the meat has been marinated. If the fajita meat has been marinated before it's maybe grilled, cooked and served. There's a big difference. There's levels to the fajita game and definitely there's a level between meat that's not marinated and then meat that is. So if you know anything about marination or the, the process of marinating, there's kind of two purposes of marinating meat. Um, you, would, you would marinate it maybe overnight or for a number of hours in, in a, a concoction of seasons and, and usually a very salty mixture, liquid mixture. Uh, it would be maybe acidic in some ways. So the purpose of marination, and I looked this up on the internet, so it's got to be true. So you marination, two basic functions. So it acts as a brine, as salt in the marinade penetrates the meat, so seasons it more fully. If it can soak in that brine, the seasoning is going to get uh, in the depths of that meat, and the seasons going to be, or the meat's going to be more fully seasoned. And then the second reason you would marinate meat is it helps to um, ensure that the meat's tender. So usually there'll be some sort of kind of acidic part of the marinade, and it's going to make the meat just a lot more tender. So if you think about biting a, a, a fajita, or you don't want you know meat to be too chewy, you want it to be tender. So the purpose of marination, more fully seasoned, makes it tender. And so we're just going to talk this morning about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and then the effect that it should have on the believer. So as we talk about this here this morning, if you are a believer in Christ, this is, this is, not, this is not new news, but we need to remember that it is good news, it is the best news. And we never move past the gospel. So here are the effects that the gospel should have on the believer for our lifetime. For our lifetime. It should fully season us. Um, and we can be fully seasoned even when trials come. Think about James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we marinate in the gospel when the trials come. It makes us uh, lean on the goodness of Christ. It makes us lean on the power of God and think on his steadfast love. So, and then more and more, think about how the gospel should, the effect of the gospel in the life of the believer should make us more and more tender over time. We've been going through, walking through, and we will continue next week walking through the Beatitudes, um, the Sermon on the Mount in, in the book of Matthew, but thinking about the gentleness that the gospel has on the heart of the believer. 1 Thessalonians 5, through 24, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So if we marinate in the good news of the gospel for years and years, how obedient, how obedient um, we, um, Christ has, thinking about how obedient he was to the Father's will. So if we're marinating on the gospel, what is the truth that we should reflect on? Remember that Christ's obedience to the Father's will, that he was long-suffering. He is uh, to us as sinners. Um, he's, um, we're totally undeserving of his love. That was the gift of Christ. So he took that fair and just, un- just punishment uh, from God the Father on sin. He took that, God's holy hatred for everything that is unholy in us, in me. He took that on the cross so that we could be forgiven. That is the good news. And so that we could uh, be forgiven, but then also that we could see him, see Christ as extremely valuable so that we could treasure Christ. So enjoying that truth, reflecting on it, we never move past the gospel. It should cause us to treasure Christ, to grow, to be more like Christ. And this does relate to what we're seeing in the Beatitudes that we've been walking through and seeing the, the blessed life the blessed life occurring as a result of marinating in the good news, reflecting on, thinking on the perfection of Jesus in every way and the power that he gives us to, yes, walk away from sin, walk towards him ongoing, continually. So the question this morning, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean and how do you become a Christian? Let's, let's talk about that. How do you become a Christian? So as we look at Titus 2, this is um, my life verse, just a passage that's been just uh, precious to me in my life. So looking at Titus 2, starting in verse 11, if you would read along with me. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. So God likes us, his grace, God likes us and loves us even when we don't deserve it. Even when we don't deserve it because of our rebellion against him, we don't deserve it. And we know this. We know that he likes us and loves us because Jesus, God the Son, he came. He came and he offered a way. He offered a way to be forgiven so we don't, again, face God's fair punishment for our rebellion. So this salvation is offered. Salvation is offered to any and everyone. So grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, to all men. And it ha- but there is a, a caveat. There is something to understand. It is for everybody. There's no distinction. What the text is, is preaching or teaching there is that there's no distinction. Um, the gospel is not just for some people and not for others based on anything, based on ethnicity, based on uh, level of wealth, based on profession, based on where you live. No, it is for everybody. But we know that that gift, that gift of grace has to be received. There has to be a response. And that response is God's grace in our hearts. And then verse 12, training us. So this grace, what does it do? What is the effect upon the individual when it is received? Look at verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age currently, presently, living out this this grace. So God's grace doesn't lead us further down a path of rebellion, 
it leads us to turn, to turn from living for ourselves and to live for God and according to his ways, which are always true and always best. So if we're answering the question or asking the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? How does one become a Christian? The first word to focus on is it is a turning. It is to turn, to turn away from sin, to turn away from doing the things that are not pleasing to God. So how do we know that? Well, the Bible makes it clear. We turn from anything that we would have ultimate trust in or anything that we adore in maybe a detrimental way in our lives that is not God. We turn from that. So the first thing, how do you become a Christian? There is, you turn. Turn from living for self, for adoring, for treasuring, for worshiping anything other than God. He is the ultimate uh, value that we have. So we turn to him. So this can be a turning from ourselves, uh, just, just doing whatever and only always what we want to do or what we think is, is best for us. So we turn from ourselves. Maybe it's a turning from, from money, just seeing as, as the pursuit of wealth or the, the accumulation of, of money or what money can do for us or just that hyper focus on money. Maybe turning from that, turning from maybe our own abilities that we're just living out of our own strength, just thinking I can handle anything, I can do anything, I can achieve anything. And you know, yeah, Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is, is in this sidecar. Jesus is, is a, just a part of my life and I keep him there, but, but I'm pretty, I'm kind of good without him. He, he, he makes things better. No, there is a turning, turning from one direction into a 180 completely in the other direction. The grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared. It's for everyone. It teaches us to say no to us, no to this world and to live for him. So turning away. John 12, 25 says this, Christ teaching, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever hates his life, that is we turn from self. And then the next part, Verse 13, Titus 2, 13, waiting for our blessed hope, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we await presently, we await the return of Christ with hope, with confidence. We're confident that through his, Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, our rebellion against God is forgiven. So we have hope. We await, we anticipate his return. We don't fear, we have hope and confidence, and it's all because of Christ. It's all because of what he has d done, not anything that we would do. We have hope as we wait. So we're thinking the punishment of Christ, the, the punishment that Christ took by dying through crucifixion, taking God's wrath, taking his penalty for sin, the sin, the, the, the death penalty that I deserve, he took my place, and I can have peace with God. And that is it presently, and then upon his return uh, for eternity, I have peace with God. So again, I, who am guilty, who am wrong to the core, have been justified, have been declared innocent in God's eyes. So we turn from living for self, turn to God, and we trust. Turn, and number two, what is it to become a Christian? What is it to be a Christian? We trust. 
not in ourselves. We trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as the only way to forgiveness and peace with God. The only way. There's nothing I can do to earn God's favor. All praise to Jesus for what he has done on my behalf for my salvation. It is all Christ. So we trust in him. Supreme confidence in what he has done. John 14, 1 through 6, Jesus is addressing his guys, his disciples. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Isn't that wonderful news? And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says to him, Lord, how can we know the way where you're going? And he says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So we are confident in the exclusivity of Christ, in what he has done on our behalf for our salvation. We trust in him. Back to Titus 2, 14. Who gave himself, so we're waiting for our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us to redeem us from, for all wickedness so that we might be a people of his very own who are eager to do what is good who are zealous, another way of putting it, zealous for good works. So Christ did this on our behalf, so we're no longer enslaved to sinful ways and desires, so we get to be his people. We get to live for him because of the new life that we have, because of God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We get to live for him in this life. So we turn from from self, turn to God. We trust in Christ as the only way to peace presently and forever uh, with God. And then we treasure. We treasure Christ. What does it look like to be a Christian? We treasure Christ. Treasure Christ. We live. What What does that look like? What does it mean to treasure Christ? How do you live that out? How do we maybe as as parents, as people within this body, think about these, these young hearts and minds? that all of us have a role in, in being the pace setters, being the pace setters in, in our spheres of influence, in our neighborhoods, in our places of wherever we're employed. Wherever we find ourselves, we are to be models of what it is to treasure Christ. And what does that look like? So we live according to his ways. If we're eager and, to, and, and zealous to do what's good, eager for good works, we're eager to do what, God, what pleases God and what God wants us to do. That's his grace working in us to allow us to know this truth and to live it out. So understand, it is not a, anything of, of works that bring, upon, uh, bring to our lives grace. It is not because of works that, that brings to us the blessing of God. It is works if we have a desire to live for him, If we are treasuring him, understanding that is just the work of his grace in our hearts, that we would want anything except selfish, completely debased desires, that is all the grace of Christ. So the Christian life holds Jesus, holds Jesus as the most valuable relationship, the most most precious truth to know. That's the Christian life, trusting. So there's this difference. There's a difference between things we know to be true and our response to it. 
So we, we know a lot of things. We can know a lot about Jesus. We can either, even, even accept uh, truth about Jesus and not treasure him. There are many who do. We can have knowledge about a lot of things. I, I know some things about fajitas, right? Shared that already, but, and I enjoy fajitas as a meal every once in a while, but my life's not consumed with them. You may know a lot about accounting. That may be your livelihood. It may be very important to you. You can know a lot about uh, accounting as in, as a, in a professional sense, and that knowledge can be a big deal. But could it consume too much of your life? Could it consume too much of your life? Do you treasure what you know about accounting? Is it infinitely precious? There are levels to what we know and our response to it. And there has to be a level of what we know about Christ and then our response to the good news. Jesus lived a perfect life, the life we couldn't live. We, we, we don't live and we could not live. And he suffered and died the death we deserve. He rose again three days later, proving he alone conquered our two greatest enemies, sin and death. And he promised to return. He promised to return, so either upon our death or his return, we get to have eternal life with him. So our glorious future, our forever destiny is to live in perfect peace with God there, where there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, death, destruction. There is a perfect world, treasuring Christ, keeping him as the most extreme value, value in our lives keeping him as the focus, keeping him as, as what really consumes us in our lives. Whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, whether we're parents, whether we're uh, living uh, at, at a, a place of, of employment, whatever we're doing, that we're consumed by Christ. And people shouldn't be surprised if they hear that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that knows us or we have common or consistent interaction with. Thinking about this truth that is going to culminate in a new heaven and a new earth where that everything will be realized, our treasure will be face-to-face -face realized. Revelation 21, three and four, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is our glorious future. This is the eternal hope realized for all those who have by the grace of God turned, trusted and treasured in him. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you become a Christian? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus and treasure Jesus. It looks like something else. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you that we can reflect on your amazing goodness to us and not feel and not have to live with condemnation, not have to feel, live with, think about hopelessness or to be in darkness. But Lord, we can find new life, forgiveness, everything in you. And it's all because of your grace. It's all because of what you have planned and ordained in your sovereignty from eternity past to save us, 
to move towards us, to be a relational God, what an amazing reality that we get to experience and live with. So I just pray that, Lord, even this week, that that experience, that, that marination will take place and we will never move past the amazing reality of what you have done through Christ on our behalf to bring us into peace with you, to be sons and daughters of you, the God of the universe, and our eternal king. Thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.